0: All right, folks, welcome to this episode of the Jackson Lucas Impact Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Chris Papa, along with our co-host, Lisa Flicker. How are you doing, Lisa?
1: I'm doing wonderfully. I am very excited for us to interview Cindy, Cindy Clare. She's a phenomenal human being.
0: Yeah, so what do you... Yeah, Cindy's awesome. She's she's a COO of Bell Partners. I mean, many of us know Bell Partners are a huge multifamily owner. And operator based out of Greensboro, in North Carolina. She's she's had a long career within multifamily. She will, used to be the president of Kettler. Um, so she's, yeah, very long, prestigious career. It's got a lot of great advice to share. Um, so, yeah, please stay tuned and uh keep subscribing, sharing, listening, and please keep sending us your questions because they're really interesting. We want to know what you guys want to hear on the podcast. So, um, this is a great opportunity for you to to get those questions in. So, thank you for all, all all the people that I've already shared. And with that, on with the podcast. Hey, Cindy, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. How was uh, your or your day so far on Friday, uh, March tenth, twenty twenty
2: three? Uh, my day is great. It's a little busy, but um, I am doing great. Thank you.
0: You're in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, You said that you were in Denver until yesterday. Well, you were in Denver for a few days and it was cold there. Um, Does your job require you to travel a lot?
2: My job does require me to travel a lot. So I'm the chief operating officer for Bell Partners, and we manage properties across the country. And one of my jobs is to make sure that I get out to our markets, meet our teams, see our teams, make sure we're performing and so I spend a lot of time on the road. I was actually in Denver because we just had one of our regional leadership conferences where we bring in our regional leader teams and our community managers and maintenance managers for those regions to celebrate accomplishments, do some training and get ready for 2023.
0: Awesome. Well, congratulations. Yeah, Bell, I mean, obviously is a, is a huge... You got your owners too, right? Your owners and operators. We are, we are
2: owners and managers. So about 30% of what we manage is Bell owned through our investment platform. And the other seventy percent is third party managed um, for other. And that was one of, I, I, w- I
0: would just spoke at a uh, at the NAOP Icon West conference, which is the National Association of, of Office and Industrial right. Properties conference, and that it's, it's their Western Industrial Conference. And we uh, I was speaking on a panel, and they were they were asking us like about you know a lot of today's remote work, and they were kind of like, how do we stay connected to people remotely? And um, I mean. Bell being such a large organization, like this is one of your ways of staying connected to folks. Like what, what, what are some ways that you stay connected to, or you're managing a, a very large organization with offices all across the country. Like what are some of the ways that you stay connected to your folks? And like keep so a culture, we, like a company culture, like across the country.
2: So we do have a company culture across the country. We lead with culture. That's it, the most important thing to us because our people are what make the difference and our people are what make us outperform. And so um, that focus on connection for us is really important. Our brand um, is we, t- we care, we deliver. And that we mean that not only do we care about our clients and our residents, but also our associates. And we deliver great results because we care. And so part of that is how do we make those connections? And those connections are in-person is obviously the absolute best. So those conferences are a good way to bring everybody together. But we also do things like um, videos, town halls where it's virtual, where we bring the whole teams together so they can hear what's going on in the company. Mm -hmm. Um, It is why I travel so much to get out to markets so I can get to properties, see people in person. Those touch points are critical to what we do. Um, Obviously, you can do that in an office where you can just have casual conversation. But if you can't do that, then you have to be um, deliberate about making time to connect with people. So I think you have to use all of the different pieces to do it.
1: And what you just said that I love is lead with culture, because everybody in the real estate industry is so worried about the work from home, so worried about, you know, office occupancies. And when you look at, like, what's happening in the world, it, it is very obviously... Circular. You have people who are not coming into offices, who are kind of just working pro- on a projecty basis, and then they're not having that, those conversations in the office, the water cooler, the mentorship, and then that leads to that leads to a culture that just doesn't work, and people don't want to come back to the office. So I love right. that you say lead with culture because I feel like that's what's going to get people back, and that's what's going to bring us. Closer to our sense of normalcy. What's the work from home policy in your office? So we is have a hybrid. A I
2: think it, I think that that's a you know again we think you, it's important to be together, but we also recognize you need some flexibility. So on a corporate level, um, three days in the office, two days remote, and um, we allow people to pick what those days are. So we haven't we haven't mandated what those days are. But to your point, what we want is people to want to be back together. And that's what we see, you know, these, we had not had an in-person conference in almost three years. Oh, wow. And so um, actually our last conference was um, February of 2020, right before everything hit in person. And we kept doing (laughs) conferences, we kept doing them virtually, but this year was the first time back in person. And that's what everybody said, it's so nice to be back in person. We're so glad to be able to see each other, you know. Not that we haven't seen each other on a screen, but it's different. And so, finding again, making sure you find those touch points is really critical.
0: Oh, for sure. It's um, we we have offices all over the country too, so it's something we we try very hard to. We have a lot of meetings, you know. Just, I mean. Nothing got worse than like the uh, the Zoom happy hours, but like we have a lot of media, You know, right. <laughs> <It's> like everyone's <laughs> that was try- rock
1: bottom. That was- Every- everyone's
0: <laughs> trying to be happy, um, and tell jokes. Uh, but we, yeah, you know, it, it's it's super important. That that was like a huge topic. It's <clears throat> our our studies. We have a compensation consulting, um, practice where we also track work from home, and we found that yeah, I mean, it makes sense that people who work in the office and in industrial space work in the office more then generally folks in the residential space, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cause right. you know, if you're telling your tenant, your clients uh, or your tenants to be in the office, like you gotta be in the office too, but everyone's going to be right. in their home anyway. So um, right. and plus people are working on site and all that, all that stuff. Well, so you, our you're site this, you,
2: people never got to go home. You know, let's be honest. Yeah.
0: Our,
2: our site teams, even though we did staggered hours and so forth, we still had to have people in the office. We still had to repair things on the property and so it seems to me that we need to support those teams um, and we're looking for ways to be more flexible on site, but it's a people business and our teams have to be there for our residents, which means that we need to be there for our teams.
1: And did you notice that the uh, a couple of the re- residential owners that I've spoken with have said now there's such a demand for the home office that yes. they, that people are finding that The needs of the tenants are shifting and there's this fear of like, well, if we build to what everybody wants today and then everybody goes back to work, do they want to pay for the extra space? Or So is that something that you're seeing in your portfolio?
2: Absolutely. But what I would tell you is I think that um, you are going to see people want a little more space right now. And to your point, does it swing back? I'm not sure. But they definitely realize that the small apartments when you were in them 24-7 was not great. But what we've seen more importantly is more use of the common area space as well, because even if they're working mm. from home, they want to be around people. So I think right. making sure your spaces are flexible. Um, and I, and that's the thing as a developer, unfortunately we are an investment manager. We don't necessarily develop, although we work with clients that develop. Um, but as a developer, the more you can make your space flexible, the better off you're going to be because it, you know, I think back, to the days when everybody put iPod docking stations in their apartments and before they opened, Apple changed the docking station and they were out of date. So finding things that you can do that allow flexibility, I think are really critical, Um, whether that's with your amenity spaces or even in the apartments. Um, It's looking for ways to give some space in an apartment that can be used a way a resident needs to use it. And that may be that it's an extra, you know, alcove nook and cranny that can be used for an office area, or it could be used for a, for something else. And so I think that Mm -hmm. that, uh, I do believe that people are looking for a little more space right now. Um, Whether that continues remains to be seen, but, you know, let's not swing the pendulum too far one way, but let's respond to what our residents are asking for.
0: We, uh, when my son was born almost 13 years ago, we lived in Brooklyn, New York, and, uh, there was, it was a newer building. And so we had, there was a daycare in the building, which was like amazing. I think that's going to be one of the things I find from work from home is that folks, I know in, in where I live in the Bay, San Francisco Bay area, a lot of uh, childcare places have closed uh, because yeah. of COVID. And so, you know, this whole work from home thing is great. Cause like you know, the, the kids taking care of the kids, you don't have the, the, the daycare centers anymore. And so a lot of talk at the conference I was just at was, and when I meet with especially office owners, is you know we got to put day you know start putting daycares in these in these offices because yeah. there there's a lack of them right now and and that's kind of a big reason why people want to work from home and like actually some industrial owners I was speaking we were talking about adding like daycares to their industrial properties which I don't know how that was going to work with a child kind of running out in front of like a forklift but. Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that might be a problem or driving the forklift that would be even scarier but that would be kind of that'd
0: be america's funny some videos they'd win
2: (laughs) but i think you're right i think in these when you think about these particularly urban cores you know i i lived in the dc area for many years and if your daycare is close to home then that's a challenge when your office isn't close to home and it takes you 45 minutes or an hour and a half because there's an accident to get to daycare so I think finding creative ways to manage these, uh, those issues, whether that's in the office or again, in the multifamily, it's, you know, adding that space. If you're going to have smaller apartments, then let's make sure our amenity space is flexible to meet the needs of the residents.
1: We have a client who's built some multifamily up in Connecticut and they've been putting in, I'm not about mixed use, but it it has multifamily, but it also has a lot of office space and they've been talking about putting in pet daycare because so many people Mm. got pets during the pandemic and now they're like you know i mean i guess you know who wouldn't think it through but i guess they didn't think it through and now it's hard for them to leave the house and so they've been talking about adding (laughs) that as an amenity too so i know my my little puppy would be happy to hear that
2: (laughs) that's exactly right i mean people love their pets and you know you see it in our amenity spaces where we have um, pet spas where they can go wash their dogs or their cats or whatever it is that they um but all of that stuff has become more important um for people and so again reacting to to all of that has is is critical to to the entire real estate industry to your point it's not just multifamily, office and retail um industrial all of that is changing somewhat and we're gonna we don't know how permanent all those changes are but some of them are permanent
0: So you're the chief operating officer at Bell Partners. You've you've been there since 2017. We just actually did a placement for a chief operating officer. We do a lot in that world. I I know, like, there's no one job description for a chief operating officer. What (laughs) what does a chief operating officer do?
2: So for Bell, the chief operating officer oversees all of the operations for the um, company across the country. I also oversee um, human resources, logically, because of about eighty-five percent of those employees are my employees, so I'm spending a lot of time on HR anyway. Um, and I also oversee the training division. In addition, I sit on our investment committee and our executive committee, so looking at our investments that we're buying as well as um, the strategic operations of the company.
0: It's a lot of responsibility. And have congratulations. Yeah, that's-, that's awesome.
1: Thank you. Big job. Have you found that? In this post-pandemic world, the HR training piece of your role is very different. Or, you know, are there things that you can point to that you feel like, "Wow, this has been an interesting journey." for me? I would say in the HR growth?
2: world, yeah, the um, you know, I think we've seen it across the board with people and m- more issues, both um, with our residents as well as associates. Um, you know making sure now that we have uh, more opportunities and that we're advertising. We've always had benefits for mental health and so forth, but making sure people are aware of it. The last couple of years have been hard. They've been hard on our associates. They've been hard on our residents. They've been hard on the population in general. And I think you're seeing that and feeling that um, in the HR side of the world. And so looking at those things and what are the benefits that we can offer and to make sure that people are aware of the um, the support that's out there for them, I think is really critical. On the training side, going into 2023, it's been very volatile. And so what does that mean? And if we think about multifamily in particular, it, we've had a very, very strong cycle for the last 10 years. And um, people are like, oh, it's getting really bad. I'm like, well, I'm not sure bad right. or normal. What we had before wasn't really normal. For those of us that are old and have been around for a long time, we've seen the cycles. And so I think that focus uh, in our group and our training group, it's the focus on the basics, getting back to the fact that you need to treat customers with respect, that you have to um, show them the apartments and sell them on the apartments. Now, you may be doing that virtually. You may be doing it self-guided. You may be doing it in person but getting those basics of the customer service back in place um, and continuing to focus on that. Not that it went away, but there was a lot of noise, particularly around COVID with how you're gonna do things. And so now getting back to making sure that we are using the, the new tools we've created, but focus on that customer experience and making sure that we're meeting the needs of the customer.
0: That's great.
1: And hopefully that's something that where AI doesn't take over eventually, right? You you still need that human touch, whether it's correct remotely or otherwise. So actually, it's interesting. We run this um, human capital um, roundtable for chief human resource officers, chief people officers. And we had a meeting in person two nights ago. And one of the most interesting topics that seemed to kind of resonate with all of the folks across the board was Not only the loss of and the need for training, but how the people, especially at the associate analyst level, really lost out in that year or two by not learning through being in an office with somebody and training with somebody. And so there's there's really this big push around, like, well, how do we give the junior folks? some training and actually I see this going on in, in high schools as well, but how do we give people this training so that we can make up for that year of lost time? So it's I'm sure that that sits on your plate as well.
2: It does. And I, you know, you your your mention of the AI. I look at AI as a supplement. The AI tools should be there to help our teams, not to necessarily replace them. So mm-hmm. when you think of you know AI tools we use for lead management that's a huge benefit to my teams because it means that they can focus on the customers in front of them but we're still consistently following up on those customers um, that haven't quite made a decision yet and to me that's that's a benefit and that's a win for both the in per- the in-person and in our customer and also for our associates so but you're right that year gap and getting people trained and um, back in an office now again on the site level, a lot of them were already there, but on a corporate level, it, it is, you know, something that we're trying to be more focused about and making sure that we're getting them the tools they need.
0: So there might be some folks listening to this who are, you know, beginning their careers and be like, wow, it's being a chief operating officer sounds pretty cool. How do you, <laughs> how do you become one?
2: How do you become one? Well, <laughs> um, I think you, you are have to always be open to learning and Knowing that, as lo- you know, I've been doing this a very long time. I still learn every day, and when I stop learning, I should stop doing the job. Because if you think you know everything, um, then you're in the wrong role. Because part of why I need to be out and about is hearing from my teams: what's working, what's not working, what do we need to change. You've got to be open to pivoting and trying things, and realizing sometimes they don't work, and acknowledging it didn't work, and and being willing to make that pivot. Um, I think it's also about taking calculated risks. Get out of your comfort zone. Um, In my career, I have managed conventional, I've managed lease up, I've managed older properties, I've managed affordable properties. And all of that I've learned. And you can take those experiences away um, and know, know, know that you can use them again. It gives you more tools in your toolbox, so to speak. And so I think it's really important as you go through your career, when someone offers you something, you want to make sure you do your due diligence and that you're that you're not jumping around just to jump around, but that it's going to offer you a challenge and an opportunity. And if it feels a little bit uncomfortable, that might be a good thing because it means you're stretching your skills. And so I think that's really important.
0: How did you start in, the, the in, this, in this industry? Did you, sorry, least? How, how did, so, how, did no, how did you start, Cindy? Did you have a you so, wake up one day and be like, man, I really want to be chief operating officer <laughs> one day?
2: <laughs> no, I actually fell into this. Like most people that have been in the business for a long time, it's thrilling to see now people choosing this business. Yeah. But when I started in the business, um, I fell into it because I graduated from college and thought I would go into the foreign service until I found out where they would actually send me and roughing it really (laughs) wasn't in my job description, at least for me. And so I had to rethink what I was going to do. And I took a temp job and it happened to be in property management. Ah. And I worked my way up, um, learned as much as I could about the business um, and then continued to move and then also got active in the industry. And Mm. it's a great way to learn about the industry, to network, to meet to meet others. And like joining
0: organizations and stuff like.
2: Exactly. I would, obviously I've been very active in the national apartment association. I was active and started out on the local associations. Um, I've also been active in IRAM and I took, got Mm. my CPM designation because again, opportunity to learn, to, to look at things differently. I think all of those are important. I'm now an instructor for IRAM as well because I want to give back. And so, you know, learning the leg. I, I feel like I use my diplomacy skills every day that I learned in college. But I also have been active on the legislative side. So you get a little bit of that government background. Um, and knowing what what's happening to our industry and what what can we do to help with that. So all of those pieces, I think, make you better equipped um, to continue to move up. And again, Being willing to try new things and to take some calculated risks um, have made, I think, have made a big difference in my career.
1: And I'm sure you've worked very hard. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's that that
2: piece of it too. Yes, you do have to work. You have to put in the time, you know, and you have to be willing um, to make the time to do. You know, to you're not going to get. Look, I've been doing this a very long time. I didn't get to be COO overnight. You know, it takes, it takes work and it takes progression and learning to be able to do that.
0: So you started on the, as a property manager and just, just
2: I actually started in an admin role because at the, at the time you didn't go from site level into corporate. So I started in an admin role and then worked on site on my own to learn about the sites and then moved into a regional manager role. And then from there,
0: and I was in you, a regional, you, gathered, role. You, you, you garnered all the, so all the, all the folks out there know you've done every job. <laughs> Basically. I've done a lot of right.
2: the jobs. Yes. And then I've also made a point of trying to learn what I don't know and to listen, you know, uh, one of my best, um, experiences was when I started as a regional manager, my, most of my managers had been managing property longer than I'd been alive. And so learning from, you know, I was their boss, but I could learn from them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, my, I learned very early on to say, well, let's just try this. Maybe it'll work. And if it doesn't, we can always change it back. And so you learn um, to listen and to be willing to be flexible. And I think that's really important because
0: not everything's going to work. Right. That's awesome. Right. So, so what's happening? What and were, I think,
1: be, go ahead, please. I was going to say, being a lifelong learner. And people always say, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And I feel like that combination, you know, a lot of our listeners are people who are looking to grow their careers. And, you know, a big part of why Chris and I do this is to help give back to those folks so that people who don't know what it takes to become a COO can kind of listen in. And one of the things that I hear you saying, and I think a lot of successful folks say is, it's down to the property level. And it always interests me when Chris and I talk to folks who are in real estate, but it's, it's almost like they could be selling any widgets. And to me, that is probably one of the keys to your success. If I were to kind of be an outsider looking in, which I guess I am to say, (laughs) you, you understand the, the product, you understand the asset, you understand the, the, and, and I Highly recommend that to all people going into real estate. Starting out at the property level gives you something that you just can't get when you start out at the corporate office.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you understanding what goes on at a property and, you know, um, again, not only the office, but the maintenance people, the unsung heroes at our properties are those maintenance teams and the things that they do. If a resident is staying at our property, it's largely because maintenance is taking care of them. Mm Right, And so I think- If you uh, look, you can put together a beautiful building, you can do all of those things, it can be in a great location, but the people at the property are going to make a difference. And it's critical that we as the leaders give them the tools and understand what they need to do the job. Because again, I go back to lead with culture, happy people are more productive people, and that means better performance at our properties. And so my job is to make sure that our teams are happy and that i'm giving them the tools to do the job because then they're going to perform and that's what we need
0: where do you see bell going the next couple of years and just multifamily right now um you know, it's kind of a turbulent so, you know i turbulent. think that a different the market
2: it's so. a different market i think you know people are always going to need homes and they're always going to need good managers so i think that bell will continue to do what we've always done is be very disciplined in our approach um, grow in the markets that we want to grow in, continue to outperform, and continue to um, learn and grow and pivot based on what, you know, what the market gives us. And I think that's part of it is, you, you know, if you're not willing to learn and grow with um, the market, then you won't be in business. And so I think that's that's the key for our success.
1: I believe that. I think that the ability to pivot in any role and, you know, junior or senior, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it gets harder actually, as you get more senior because you're used to like, this is a formula for success, but that, that pivot is very key. So I, it doesn't surprise me that you're great at that.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you. I think it's important. You know, you think about what happened with the pandemic. That's a perfect example of you had to be creative and very quickly because None of us had been through. You know, it's not like my years of experience helped me go through. It. We'd never been through a pandemic. Yeah, and so you had to you had to be willing to try things, and when they didn't work, try something different. Um, so I think we all learned a lot. As difficult as it was, I think we learned a lot
0: during that time. Yeah, you were on the front lines there. Well, you said it was cold earlier in Denver. Are you ready for the hot seat? I am <laughs> ready for the hot seat. The hot seat is sponsored by KK Reset. KK Reset is an HR management and outsourcing consulting firm that specializes in helping organizations to reset their culture, structure, and path. They do this through services, which include comprehensive consultation to identify gaps and opportunities for corporate training programs, HR services, and career mapping services. They've collaborated with nonprofit startups and academic organizations to protect them from liabilities, reduce turnover, and preserve their brands. They've also collaborated with a number of my clients on the real estate front who are not large enough to have their own in-house HR program. So they outsource it to KK Reset. KK Reset comes in, maybe sits on site a couple days a week and provides everything you need from an HR perspective for your your firm. So it's a great uh, resource for those shops who just maybe It doesn't make sense for them to have in house HR function. Um, So please check them out at kkreset.com. K K R E S E T.com. I am
2: ready for the hot seat, I think. (laughs) We'll see.
0: see. Not many people are. Many have tried and many have failed. Let's see here. I'm sure you do fine, though. Do you have a book? Start with an easy one a book or podcast recommendation?
2: Um, you know, there's a lot of books out there that I love, but I would say that pretty much anything by Brene Brown is good, but there's a book, and this is more probably geared towards women, but it's called Dare to Lead. I think it works for men as well. I think that is a great book um, to help. And then another another one that um, I think for younger people starting out is The Confidence Code, and that's by okay. um, Katie Kay and Claire Shipman. I think that. Um, helps you to understand w- where confidence plays a role and why it's important.
0: Cool. I've, I I've, love I've, I haven't read any of them. I, Sorry.
1: Oh, dare to lead us. So good. And Brene Brown, my favorite part, I got chills. I actually had it hanging up in my office wall for a while was the, um, I think it was Roosevelt's speech about, you know, the people in the arena are the people who are able to kind of comment on other people in the arena the mm-hmm. ones with the blood and the sweat and the, and then they said, you know, the, the, even if I go down, I'm going to go down Darren greatly. And it just like, every time I hear it, I'm probably not doing it justice, but it, it just, is such an impactful book and I think, and speech. And I, I agree with you. I loved it. Chris, yeah. you have to read it. I'm going to send you a copy. Okay.
0: <laughs> I love reading. Uh, go ahead, at least go number two. So, yeah.
1: So number two is, um. What is your most memorable, whether it's, you know, some kind of a deal that you've worked on, whether it's something human capital related, if you think back in your career, what is kind of your, your high point, most memorable or a time you failed or, and learn from that most memorable moment?
2: Wow. There's a lot of memorable moments. I, I, so I would start with probably earlier in my career when I, the first lease up I did, when I got to see a building go from a hole in the ground Mm -hmm. To a thriving com- community, you really get to see beginning to end, soup to nuts, what happens, and what goes into that. And so, I, you know, I love that piece of it. I, that's probably one of the biggest things I love about our business, besides the people, which is first, which I'll get to in a moment, is the tangible results. You can really see and you know a hole in the ground literally become a thriving community, and that that is really exciting. Um, I always love the people piece of it. I love to look around and see people that have worked for me that are now in leadership roles or people that are currently working for me that are getting promoted. Um, Nothing makes me happier than to see people succeed and um, reach their goals. And so and, you know, we talk about this a lot at Bell. Growth means different things to different people. So sometimes it's not a promotion. I'm just as happy with someone that's thrilled to be the best um, leasing consultant or manager or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be that they can be. But I love to see that success among our people. So those would probably be the two big things.
0: Great answer. Um, so yeah, what, what do you look for in hiring people? Like, is there certain qualities that you look for?
2: You know, I think when you hire people, um, for me attitude and that, um, wanting to learn are a big piece You know, we can teach a lot of skills, but we can't teach that motivation and that learning, that wanting to learn and that positive attitude. Um, Look, this is a hard business. I tell people all the time, you're either gonna love it or you're gonna hate it, but there's not really an in-between. You either get sucked in and it's in your blood or you really jump out of it. What I love about our business is it's ever-changing and um, you're never bored. If you're bored, you're doing something wrong. But I so when you've got to make sure that people understand that it's hard, and you have to be willing to take the good and the bad um, and continue to move forward. So the skills piece is obviously important and depending on the role, but that attitude, um, and that willingness to learn new something new is going to be critical. The person that says, Well, I've been doing this for a long time, so I know how to do it. That makes me a little nervous, because I've been doing this for a long time and there's a lot of things I don't know how to do because the world has changed. You know, don't right. ask me to go do a TikTok video or <laughs> that, I, I don't know. I know it's important and I know we have people that can do all of that stuff. So I learn about it enough to know that we need it. But if I'm not willing to listen to those new ideas, then we're not going to grow. So I think that's really critical.
0: Do you have a go-to interview question? Like, do you ask anyone, like some people have like, I, this came from one of my our guests here has a go to interview question of, of tell me a joke, which I think is put <laughs> it puts, it puts, it puts know, people on the spot. And also, like, how do you think under pressure type of thing? You know? I Are think, you willing to take a chance? Well,
2: really, it's really I always try to ask people uh, live questions like tell me about your worst resident and how you handled them mm. or, you know, the toughest employee you dealt with and what you did. Because I think when you ask people to give you real live experiences, you get a real sense of who they are and how they operate. Right. Great. And
1: I bet when they give the answer, you can feel whether it's passionate or not. Correct. So it's almost like not even what they're saying, but how they're saying it can tell you a lot about it. So I think that's, I think we might incorporate that into our
0: Yeah, I like that. I like
1: that, that's great. Um, So last question, obviously this is the Impact Real Estate Podcast what have you done in your role and your personal life that you feel proud of and has had an impact?
2: Well, personal life, that's easy. I have a, an adult son who is thriving and he's getting married in a couple of months. So oh, congratulations. biggest, oh, nice. greatest pride there. How, is, old, how know, old is your son? He is 26. Oh, um, nice. So that would be personal professionally. Um, You know i i would say one of my proudest things is that i was chairman of naa and that allowed me to have an impact on the industry as a whole which i really loved but i think it's the impact that you make every day it's not one big thing it's all the little things it's the the talking to a team member um, hearing that something you did has made a difference for them you know i was just at our conference and watched all of all of our teams get awards and how much that means to them and just being there in person and how much that means to them i think those to me are the impacts we make every day that add up to massive impact across um the industry and so for me it's really what's the small thing you can do every day that's gonna that's gonna be a positive to someone
0: that's a great answer
1: well cindy i think you are phenomenal and i bet that There are a lot of people who are going to reach out to you to come talk to you about your company and you as a person, because it sounds like it would be a lot of fun to learn from you and to work with you because you're, you just seem incredible. So thank you for taking the time to be with us.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on your show.